Welcome back to the Wasatch Brothers Real Estate Podcast. Welcome back to the Wasatch Brothers Real Estate Podcast. We're glad you are listening. We have another amazing guest coming at you. Her name is Christy Neighbor. She has been in real estate since 2007, and she actually dropped out of college to get into real estate. So she says she's a college dropout, which I think is awesome because I dropped out of college a bunch, and I'm so glad that I'm in real estate. Um, she was able to support her husband through grad school and purchase her first home um, by herself. So they have two dogs currently, no kids. They're living the life, and we're excited to learn from her. So, Christy, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, uh, guys. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Yeah, so, no problem. Christy, um, we kind of just want to jump into it. And um, if you can kind of tell us about what your start was, like how you got your start into real estate and what was the first year like and the ups and downs that we're all going through. Sure. Um, so I got in at, in like 2007, 2008. So um, honestly, I got in because I was doing dental um, I thought I wanted to do like dental hygiene. That's what I focused on through high school and college. I thought that was the path for me. Um, but then I got bored because I was like, I'm just doing the same thing. And oddly, um, growing up, so many people had said to me, like, I think you would be a really good like real estate agent, which is so weird. That's not even on my radar. I don't know if they just <laughs> thought I would like be good in like a dress suit or something. I don't know, but it was just <laughs> always suit. in the back of my mind. So when I got bored, I'm like, okay, real estate's probably got to have like its challenges. So, um, I decided to work for a real estate broker and he only did REOs, which is real estate owned properties, bank owned properties that have been foreclosed. And there was a lot of that going on. Um, and I don't, a lot of people probably don't know that um, when brokers have contracts, the REO contracts, it's like a big deal. They don't want to lose that client. Um, there's a lot of rules you have to follow. So I basically just got thrown into it and learned a lot really fast, um, which made getting my license really easy because I had already experienced it firsthand. So I really was just I don't, like memorizing laws before I had to take the test. Cause I'm like, Oh, I, I already know this. I've seen this scenario happen. Um, like working for that broker, I learned how to do BPOs, which is like a CMA, but a, what a broker does. Um, yeah. and I, I mean, I was doing scary stuff. It's a good thing. I was young and <laughs> stupid because when someone's like home is foreclosed on, you have to like go give notice so I'm knocking on people's doors and like emotions oh are high, you know, like they're stressed out. Like that was a stressful time for people because they were losing their homes. And I mean, I was just a young, like 19 year old. So I, I didn't get it. I just knew it was You're like, what's scary. the big deal here? We're just selling houses. <laughs> I'm like, do you want, cause we, so part of the process is you offer cash for keys. So it's like, if you don't 
destroy the home and you leave peacefully, we'll give you cash to start off in your next location. So, you know, I thought I was just doing a good thing, but there was definitely some sketchy situations and I'd probably be too scared to do it now, but I was young and dumb and had no fear. It was, it was fine. So yeah. ignorance is bliss sometimes, isn't yeah, it? Or, yeah, it really is. There were really some is. when I would call like friends that were guys. I'm like, I need you to go with me because this house is in like the heart of Ogden and it's supposedly <laughs> vacant and I got to go in it and <laughs> secure the property. I'm like, don't know what we're going to find in there. So that was like my first taste of real estate. And then I worked for a couple other um, agents. Like I had my license because everyone wants a licensed um, assistant so yeah. that you can, you can do things. Right. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. so I basically got like hands-on training. I was just a sponge. I just absorbed what those realtors did as far as like marketing, how they treated their clients, what systems they used, like just everything. I just absorbed it all. And then like my first, I don't know, like eight to 10 transactions, I basically had my hand held because I was like a transaction coordinator, but they also let me sell. And so I just, I had my hand held. And I feel like a lot of people ask me, like, how did you pass the real estate test? Or how did you get clientele? And I, like, I just, it just happened organically because I got my feet wet and just slowly went in. I didn't get into real estate thinking the market's hot. I'm going to get rich quick. It just was a career that I thought would be challenging and fun. And I just worked my way up, I guess. Um, And honestly, I feel like every realtor should have to shadow somebody. Like if a hairstylist has to do like 200 hours on the floor cutting hair, like why don't realtors have to shadow a broker and have their hand Mm -hmm. held through deals? Because we are dealing with like, big deals and things like if something got messed up, like we could cause big problems, lawsuits, all sorts of things, not just a bad haircut, you know? So (laughs) I'm thankful that I got like hands-on training and I just, I got to see what worked and didn't work and basically just build my own business that way. So that's really cool. That's probably invaluable. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, I think it's it's pretty awesome that you got to be the transaction coordinator first, because my first deal in this market, uh, it's crazy. And in order to get the deal, we had to close within a week. And so I thought, oh, well, I'm going to do this transaction myself so that I learn it. It's my first one. And I got so overwhelmed that I was like, I'm just paying the money for a transaction coordinator because <laughs> <laughs> this is way too stressful to get done in a week. So I think it's awesome that you did that. Um, how long did you work for him? And you said everything started organically. So do did people already know that you were in real estate because you worked for him? Or once you started real estate, did you start kind of marketing? Because social media, I'm guessing, wasn't as big of a thing back then. So yeah. how do you start that organically without social media? Yeah. So when I worked for him, I actually only worked for him for like six months to a year because, um, I actually never met him. It was like, he, he lived in, uh, California and 
had his broker's license also in Utah. So we were like running things for him here. And it was like Charlie's Angels. We'd check in on the phone with like every day. We'd have this like have him on speakerphone. He had like the Australian accent and I literally never met him. But Still I Still to this day, you haven't met him? No. I don't even, yeah, I don't even know if he's like living anywhere. I have no idea. Um, <laughs> but he, I actually left there because I told him like, yeah, I want to get um, my license and I want to like sell. And he told me that I was too young and nobody would take me seriously. I was like, oh, buddy, you just lit a fire. Wrong words to say. You're like, I'm going to yeah. prove you wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, really? That's interesting. So uh-huh. I left. I left there and then um, went to (laughs) another agent, worked for him for a minute and then joined um, another brokerage that I was at for like five years. Um, And from there is, is really where I learned a lot. And I guess it just all worked out because when I started there, I was single, then I got married. And so it was kind of like, our circle of influence was on the same page of life as us. So they, you know, were looking for homes and so they just let me help them, which is really crazy and super nice that they'd let, I guess when you're young and you know, you just don't know what, like, Oh, I'm trusting this newbie to sell me a home. You just don't know any different, I guess, but I'm thankful that our friends trusted me because now it's like, when people are saying how to build a clientele, I feel like I don't have super good advice. I'm like, well, all of my clients purchased when the market was, you know, in the ground or we were getting paid to buy a house, you know? And so I'm like, and now they're selling and upgrading. Um, So I feel like it's a lot with your circle of influence. And I have never like, hardcore marketed myself it's purely like word of mouth I've probably only had my social media for or my at least my real estate social media I've probably only had it for like two or three years um so yeah I would because I was just filtering it in with my personal and then I decided to split them and and just do its own so What's the benefit to doing that? Because I know like on my social media, sometimes they'll say, do you want to switch yours to a business account? And I always just keep it personal because I have more followers and people right now with my personal account. So at what point did you decide to split the two? And your social media looks really good. Like everything almost not matches, but it has kind of a theme to it, I would say. Did yeah. you ever study social media on your own or take classes or you just kind of learned it from using it? Um, so I feel like one of my favorite parts about real estate is the marketing aspect. I love getting the client. I love nurturing the relationship, probably even more so than, you know, the nitty gritty, like negotiations and looking at all the homes and stuff, like creating the relationships and nurturing those is probably my favorite part about it. Um, And I just split it off because I thought, okay, people are not following my personal one to hear like my business. And I wanted to use my platform to educate the public. I, I didn't want it to be this, like hire me because I'm so much better than everyone else. Like, here's what I do. That's better than everybody else. Um, Because I, I honestly feel like 
it's a team effort. Even when I close on a home, I, if I had a good experience with the other realtor, like I will say that because if two realtors worked cohesively, it makes it better for everybody. And so I just, I wanted to use it to just educate the public so that whether they use me or they use another um, agent, or they even are trying to do it on, on their own, that they have some sort of knowledge. Like they, sh- I want them to know what to expect from their realtor because I get that a lot of people have a sour taste in their mouth for realtors. And I think it's just because they really didn't know what to expect or they didn't fully understand, you know, how things work. Um, like, I mean, you guys know realtors, Every, we get blamed for everything that goes wrong. And sometimes it's like out of our control as much as we try to control it. Um, so yeah, I just, I wanted to just use my platform to just educate so that people knew, you know, what to watch out for, you know, if you're going to do it on your own, don't make these mistakes or have these expectations of your realtor. Um, so yeah, that's kind of why I split it just so I could keep my personal stuff fluffy and keep and use my other yeah. platform just to like educate and yeah I mean friends just the ones who wanted to know or learn came over and followed me and then the ones that didn't just still follow my personal ones so I guess I just wasn't worried about um how many followers I felt like my following already knows I'm in real estate so it's like yeah you know I feel like you're worried about that. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, okay. So you've been doing it for 13 years or so, something like that. Um, what is, so 2021, we're kind of in, we're almost at the end of, well, we are at the end of the first quarter, but, um, like what's kind of your goals for 2021? It's everyone knows that the market is like it's never been before and all this stuff so how are you kind of tackling it and what's your what's your goals for this year survival (laughs) 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 but for real real stuff sometimes Um, it feels like that doesn't it it really does it's it's I feel old because I remember older agents saying like oh I remember when interest rates were 15 percent or you know just talking about the different trends in the market and now I feel like I've been in it so long that I'm that person. I'm like, oh, <laughs> like I remember, I remember when... when it was this way. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I got to quit saying stuff like that. Oh my gosh. Dating uh, yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I just feel like, I don't feel like I set um, monetary goals. I'm like, oh, I want to sell this many homes or I want to make this much money. I more so want to find like avenues to make um, home ownership attainable because buyers, they ha- I'm not going to lie, they have it rough right now when I'm just like, yeah, so not only do you need to like have a ton of cash down more than I would have ever had as a first time home buyer. Um, so just, I feel like I want to start educating buyers on like ways to like save money so that you can compete, um, in this market and just what people can do to just be able to get into a home because it is so cutthroat. And I, I have heard from a lot of buyers, they just feel discouraged and I get it. 
it, you get burned out for sure. Um, or they just feel like they don't even have the resources to compete. Um, so yeah, I just really, I want to come up with a way to just educate buyers on what they can do and what options they have to be able to buy and not feel like they're priced out. So that's really my goal this year. So what do you, because there's a lot of people coming from out of state in California and people with loads of cash. And I always think about my kids like, man, I wonder what it's going to be like when they buy a home. Because when me and my wife bought our first home, I, I have the same feeling. Like, I don't know if, if we would have waited, if we would have been able to buy a home still. So what, what do you predict is going to happen? Because at some point it, it has to cool off. Um, but who knows when that's going to be because it's so hot right now that it's going to last for years. Um, but, but like, what do you see um, with people in state and how do you overcome competing like to, to keep somebody going that is like, I, I'm done. Like we'll, we'll just rent. We'll just stay here. We, we don't want to move our kids right now. What do you suggest to those type of people? Yeah. Um, I mean, if you look at my social media, you can see a lot, like more than half of my clients have been building. Um, if you can find a builder who's not, you know, two years out, jump on it because, um, it's just such an awesome opportunity. Um, for the most part, you don't have to compete. I know some builders are going a different direction with things where it's not first come first serve. Um, but even though they're waiting, like you're making equity while you're waiting. Um, I wish I had a magic eight ball to be able to be like, this is what's going to happen. We all know eventually it is going to cool off because that's how it works. It means it's a roller coaster. We go down and we go up. And I feel like two years ago when people were buying homes, the main concern everyone kept saying is like, the market's going to crash, the market's going to crash. And I'm like, I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I can't promise you that it's not, but even if it does, just make sure that you haven't gotten yourself into a situation where you're house poor so that you can stay in it because the people who stayed in their homes through the market crash, I mean, they have so much equity. It's insane. They're jealous. So it's just a matter of like being smart with, I I get that it's like, you want to get the most amount for, for your money. And a lot of buyers like want to max out their, pre-qualification but it's like just be smart with your payment and um and don't get house poor so that if something happens as long as you can afford that payment like it's going to be a good investment and I feel like probably interest rates are what's going to cool things down I'm going to guess like it's going to get to a point where interest rates are going to be higher and buyers are going to cool off and I guess it's going to make sellers have to be a little more aggressive to be able to get buyers who can afford their homes yeah. but it will be interesting <laughs> what do you guys won't think be, is gonna happen they won't be posting it on a friday and then say all offers do by sunday <laughs> oh yeah i just saw one of my clients like how many offers i'm like doesn't matter they're collecting offers for a week so i'll uh, let you know yeah. on d-day how many they have <laughs> so yeah. i'm a- 
I'm interested in like the, cause you were in real estate during the crash and probably experienced a, a polar opposite of what's happening right now. So like, what was the big complaint back then? And what was the struggle? Because my grandpa was in commercial real estate and he just says, you know, the market's always going to go up and down. There's always going to be some problem and you just have to figure it out. So what, what was it back then? And why do you feel like, I mean, you've been in it for 17 years. Most agents don't make it past their first year or two years. So you, you've obviously have a skill of figuring it out. Um, what do you, what was it like in 2008? What did you struggle with? And, and maybe what do you attribute to you being able to figure it out? So I think by the time that I was like actually um, selling real estate, I had observed that the people who were affected the most by the market crash was people who got in over their heads. They they got in homes that they couldn't afford, um, things like that. And then the people that capitalized were the ones that had been smart. Um And they were smart with their money. So then they were able to buy the homes um, at a lower price. I think the ones probably that got, got it the worst were the ones that like had to move, whether it was like they outgrew their home or something. Um, And then they couldn't afford to like move into something else. That was probably the hardest. So I feel like I just take all of those like factors in when I'm helping my clients and I'm like you have to look at the bigger picture and like prepare for anything so make sure you're not buying a home that like isn't going to work for you um you know long longer than three years or five years um and if if it is going to be shorter make sure it's one you can afford to like keep other rental property or I just try to think through all the scenarios of like if the market crashed what, what, what position would you be put in? Um, would you be able to afford your home or rent it or do what you need to do to be able to stay in your investment and not, um, be lost. So that's really smart. I think that's really good advice. Um, and I mean, I could be wrong, but I would imagine that it helps with you to having like repeat business and a really loyal clientele because they just know, that you're not in it just to make a quick buck. You're not just trying to sell a house and be done and earn a commission. You're trying to make it like, yeah, you're working for a living. Of course you want to make money. Of course you want to get a commission, but like you're trying to do it in a way where it makes really good sense for your, for your buyers. And um, that sort of thing just really resonates with me because that's kind of my approach, you know, for example, the market that we're in right now, I work a lot in Salt Lake County. I don't know. Are you more North? Yeah. I feel like, I mean, I've sold from Cache County to Utah County, but I feel like Davis County, Weber County is my jam. Okay. And you know what? It's going on up there too, but I just know that Salt Lake County is kind of when I first started seeing this whole earnest money, non-refundable at acceptance. And you know, it's, that makes me really uncomfortable. And then I mean, I just lost on a house where they did $20,000 hard at acceptance. That's what we lost on. Um, and, but my point is, That's is crazy. although I can't I'm even not, imagine what would be worth canceling for $20,000. <laughs> I know. Right. So obviously they won, but um, my point of saying that is at first I was like, 
I mean, I'm still not comfortable with it, but I think that it's my duty as, as an agent to let my buyers know what works best and then what they're comfortable with. And if we're competing against offers that have non-refundable earnest money, I, I'll just be straight up with them and let them know, hey, here's what people are doing. If we're not willing to do this, our chances are going to go down. But I'm genuine, 100%. I'm okay whatever decision they make. If they want to compete and like bring out the guns and, and do everything, then let's do it. Like <laughs> I'll do that for you. But if you don't, like I have a hard time saying like pushing them past to, you know, doing something they're not comfortable with because I want that same thing. I just, I just got a text right now. I'm going to list somebody's uh, condo that I helped them buy, but they had a good experience with me. And that's how I want to build my business. Not like, oh yeah, like Darren, he's just like, just wanted to earn a quick buck. And then I'd rather have five deals from somebody over the course of their life than just that one time. You know what I mean? Totally agree. I feel like I never want my clients, like after they close on their home to be like, oh, I don't really love this house or this location that much. Like she just pushed me into it. And sometimes buyers will take a while. I mean, obviously right now that's common, but my whole career, um, sometimes buyers will take a while. My husband will be like, you just need to like, just sell them on the house. I'm like, I cannot. I'm like, if they don't walk in and feel in love, like I am not pushing it because like my clients aren't just a paycheck. Like realtors should be helping the situation, not making it worse. And no matter what side I'm on, whether I'm representing the list, the listing or the buyer, Whenever there is like a conflict, I always think, okay, if these two parties are working together without a realtor, which they could be doing, and like, how would they resolve this? Because I sometimes I feel like realtors complicate the situation. I'm like, I don't need to be aggressive and fight about everything. Like, just represent your client and, and educate them and do what's in their best interest. And it will just make everything so much better. Don't don't cause your client a lawsuit or just try to think is it if you weren't in the equation what would these two parties be doing without you so i 100% get that like i i'm just not a shark if i need to if my clients if someone's trying to take advantage of my client then then i will be <laughs> but i don't start out that way <laughs> yeah. try to kill it with kindness and work it all out <laughs> It's good. I, I've really never good. really heard it like to to think of it the perspective of if to take myself out of the equation because I think so many times people are prone to thinking about themselves and uh, how to close the deal and what should I say. But I think that's great advice of removing yourself. What would these two parties do? Uh, I think that'll stick with me the most because honestly, from all the guests we've heard and people I've talked to, I, I've never heard that from realtor and maybe that's why you're doing so well <laughs> but um i had another question and it just blanked um oh, i can't remember now darren do you have one and i'll remember i always do this and it's kind of embarrassing but oh i have I the worst going. memory <laughs> if i don't write it <laughs> yeah. all down i'm just i'm in trouble <laughs> what's a good so, I mean, you've done it way longer than me. I'm like coming up on my year mark. So, but you learn so much, like, like I was the same as Jordan. My first deal, I remember when my offer got accepted, 
it was on a Saturday night and I just started panicking. I was like, what do I do? Like, where do I go from here? Yeah. Now that doesn't worry me. You know, you, you just learn as you go. You learn so much. So is there any like really valuable lessons that you learned from a transaction that like stuck out to you that you can either buying or selling, um, like a situation you ran into that could maybe be useful for, uh, our listeners? Um, okay. So I feel like this is not one where like, like I was panicked or anything, but I feel no, like okay. it's, <laughs> it was, it's more just like, I feel like people maybe are not aware. I don't know. So anyways, my client, my buyer, um, wanted to, they found a for sale by owner on KSL. I had to brace myself because like, as you know, it's just a lot more work for the realtor is involved because they have to facilitate all the paperwork and they're trying to calm the for sale by owner that we're not trying to take advantage of them. And it's a lot, it's a lot. So, um, we went under contract and my title company pulled title, all that. And they're like, um, problem. There's, there's still somebody who has ownership on this title besides the for sale by owners. I was like, oh, okay. Well, lucky them that they have a realtor in here. And Pinnacle Title went above and beyond. Um, they tracked down the lady. They like they they just I don't even want to know how much money they spent trying to get her signature on a quick claim deed and then we ended up um canceling more so because the lender was kind of screwing up the deal but um but basically those first sale by owners really lucked out that they had professionals involved because by the time we had canceled we had like um, resolve the title issues. And so they were able to sell to someone else where if they had just, if they had just gone with an unrepresented buyer, that would have been a hot mess. And I don't think like what they wouldn't know what to do. And I, I don't know if a lot of title companies would have done what Pinnacle did. Um, cause the title company that recorded the, the deed from when the for sale by owner purchased, um, Pinnacle tried to reach out to them and say, look, you did this wrong. You made a mistake. And they would not take like any accountability, wouldn't help anything. So normally wow. you would like, you know, use title insurance to fix that. But Pinnacle is just like, it's going to take too long. We're just going to get it done, figure it out. Um, so very thankful for that. Um, and I'm glad the for sale by owner, you know, it worked out for them in the end. Yeah, they like, got away with a good deal with that. They did. Like, <laughs> I felt bad that we had to cancel, but I mean, we had had to extend a million times because of the lender. And it was just like, I, I felt bad. You guys need to be able to just sell this home. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, I feel like title issues is a big one that buyers or just homeowners do not realize or even know or are educated about, I feel like. I was telling Jordan. I think I think that's. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say. I was going to say. I think that's great because <laughs> we've got a delay a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go and then you go. 
Um, so I was going to say, I think that's great because I meet with a lot of for sale by owners right now. And it's like, okay, look, if, if we can get in here and take professional photography and we can sell for this much more and I'll do all the listings. So, you know, you hear the same thing, but that's another story that I feel like if I could just take that part of the podcast and play it for my for sale by owners to really like just bang it into their head, like, look, there's so many situations that you guys don't understand. And most of the time for sale by owners are just thinking, well, I don't want to pay realtor fees, but I get it. those realtor fees are so minimal when, like you said, your, your example you run into something like that and and we can take care of it or the title company can take care of it. So um, yeah. I'm going to have to myself go back and re-listen to that story over and over so that I can get good at telling it <laughs> so that for sale by owners will understand, look, someone else could it's worth own part of your own. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's happened on a couple like like investment properties it's kind of common on. And I truly think really the only reason that that title got cleared is because I have a relationship with Pinnacle Title. Like, I mean, for sale by owners have to, you know, find a title company. And I don't know if any title company would, you know, put that time and effort into that because they don't have a relationship with them. Um, And so, yeah, it just... There's so much value built into using a realtor that I think people, it's hard to see because all they see is the dollar amount. But I just had somebody say to me the other day, um, they were talking about finishing their basement and how much a general contact contractor charges. And they charge, um, I don't know, it was anywhere from like 5 to 10% of the job. And then like, and he was saying like their margins are so small. And I started laughing. I'm like, well, that's interesting. I'm like, cause realtors charge way less than that. But yeah, everyone thinks that we're just out robbing everyone. I'm like, but they don't see the bigger picture or I just don't think they realize all the value or like the work that we put into like all of our knowledge and all the like education we have, the liability we take on. There's just so much value in it and they, they do end up making more money. So, yeah. Yeah. I read a a stat that said um, people that are for sale by owners. I can't remember if they decide to go to with a real estate agent. I don't know how they found the stat, but it said usually they can sell their home for 16% more than what they would have sold it on their own, which if you add in realtor fees, it's 6%. Then you got, I mean, most people are getting 10% more. And if, if you're depending on the price of your home, I mean, that's a big chunk of change. I also find that people who are doing it on their own, um, they let emotion get into it too much. Like I have never done the, like I'm giving the letters to the sellers. Like, I know it's a thing we don't do anymore, but it was big for a while um, because I'm like, no, that just, that just makes it harder for my sellers. And they're looking, they're deciding on emotion, which is what they would do if I wasn't in the situation. Cause there's so much, like, um, there's so many times where I see people who are selling homes that are in the state, they're selling their parents' home, they're selling whatever, yeah. and they will, they'll 
do it on their own and they'll say, oh, but this girl that I work with or the girl who does my hair or somebody wants to buy it. And I'm like, that's great. But listen, you're representing the beneficiaries and that's not in everyone's best interest. Like you need to list it and let that person compete for it. Just like everyone else. Like they just, I think go off emotions so much and realtors help facilitate that and help protect the client because we don't have any emotion in it. And we get to be the buffer in between the two, um, which I think is just priceless. <laughs> that's interesting. I think that's that great. That because <clears throat> when we, we sold our first home and we had remodeled the kitchen and one of our things was, okay, we want a family to come in here. You know, we don't want to sell this to an investor and rent it out or blah, blah, blah. And we did end up picking someone that wrote a letter. So it's still a thing. People write letters. So how do you handle that as an agent? Do you just not show the letter at all? Or do you feel that it's, it's your responsibility if an agent submits an offer with a letter that you show all the letters? Because I look back at ours and I think, okay, we, I, I think we probably didn't seriously look at a couple of offers just because the letter and we felt like, okay, we want a family in our home. Yeah. I have even had people go as far as like, they reach out to my husband and they're like, oh, my brother or sister put in an offer on your wife's listing. And I'm like, oh my gosh, tell them, thank you. But that's not, (laughs) we're not giving them any advantage. Uh, But um, now I do not give the letters, like I'll read them. But I don't tell my clients because one, I think you run into the issue of discrimination and I don't want to subject my um, sellers to that. I don't want them to ever be in a situation where someone accuses them of that. So I do not present them anymore. Um, But back when I did, if somebody presented one, I would contact all the other agents and say, by the way, um, you need to send a letter of um, from your clients so that everyone is has a fair Love chance yeah so I'm just like okay if we're gonna add the emotion factor then I want everyone to have like a fair chance at it because I just don't ever want to be accused of of not playing fair I guess so but now I did now I just don't even mess with it because I don't want to I don't want to open my clients up to a lawsuit but yeah yeah, the board of realtors, I think they posted something maybe like a month ago. Maybe yeah, it was a month did. ago about that, about saying that they're not the best idea anymore and just the whole discrimination thing. So, I mean, it's nice. been addressed. Clearly, there's been issues. Yeah. Just stalk them on Facebook and, and private <laughs> message them and say, hey, what do you need under the table? <laughs> I, my last listing, I had an agent who like gave my number to the buyers and they were calling me to like plead their case. I'm like, no, I cannot, I cannot do that. That is crazy. That's crazy. I'm like, we're getting cutthroat here. Yeah, no, it is. It is getting cutthroat and people are trying. I mean, look, I give them credit on the creativity part. I've definitely learned from some stuff that others have done. People are getting super creative and there's definitely good ideas that are happening, you know, for sure. Yeah. I saw, I saw one guy on social media offer. If you list your home with me, I'll buy you a Traeger. It's like, "Hmm, I saw that and I know exactly who that is. 
But <laughs> like, is that against the rules though? I, I don't know. <laughs> Cause I, I, know. I had posted like, um, I will pay like if, if you produce a lead for my buyer, like, oh, I know my sister's selling her house and you produce that lead for me, like, I will pay you $500. Like, just help me find my client at home. And my broker's like, we, like, you can't do that. I'm like, oh, killing me. So I thought like there's so many rules. So I thought that was like, ooh, that's a yeah, good idea. Yeah, they're, they're but... definitely over $500. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, uh, and I don't even remember what the like limit is. My broker told me, but he was like, yeah, you can't, you can't do that. I'm like, well, I feel like it's the same as paying for leads on Zillow. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so many That's rules. actually true. <laughs> right? Okay. So, well, yeah. I want to be Should we get this wrapped up, Jor? Yeah, I want to be respectful of your time. I feel like you have way more information to share with us that we haven't hit on. Um, so usually I tell our guests, you know, we like to have you back on anytime if something crazy happened or is a, a story that you want to share or just anything. Um, we're always looking to build our network. Um, when me and Darren started this podcast, there were three real reasons we wanted to start it and try and hit on every episode. Um, one is to educate which I feel like you did beautifully with um, many different scenarios. Um, but there's stuff that you said today <clears throat> that I haven't heard from other real estate agents, specifically the one we just talked about with letters. So I definitely think you educated us. Um, the, the second thing would be to inspire somebody, whether they're looking to buy a house or looking to become a real estate agent or invest, whatever they may be doing listening to this. I think your story's incredible how you started at a young age and you kind of didn't know what you're doing, but you just went after it. Uh, I find it really inspiring and that you went through the market crash. You figured it out. You're still doing it. You supported your husband. I, I know before we started, you said it, it doesn't seem like an accomplishment to you, but for many people, I think it will. Um, you, your story alone is inspiring to us as real estate agents. And then the last one, uh, which I think is probably the most valuable for, for all parties, is to connect people. Uh, you know, in real estate, it's so important, like you said, to build relationships like you did with Pinnacle Title and have those connections and really foster a relationship uh, because that's that's what it comes down to. It's the more people that know that you have a good reputation and um, they can trust you, you're going to be successful. So, um, and, and with COVID it's hard to, to meet face to face. So it's always nice to just have an hour blocked out of somebody's schedule where you can really connect and get to know their story. So we appreciate you. Uh, your, your story is awesome. And hopefully we help you in some way and get a due deal with you in the future because you are a very stemmed out woman. And I can tell by talking to you that you're just, fair and honest and want the best for people. So, um, yeah, we appreciate you, Darren, do you have anything else? No, thanks for coming on. And before I don't want to miss out, do you want to let people know where if they want to reach yes. out to you and get in touch with you? What's their best, the best way to communicate with you? Yeah. So, um, the best Avenue would honestly just be 
my Instagram. Um, I do not really like market myself. I just go off of um, word of mouth because I feel like that is the best kind of marketing. I know when someone contacts me that they um, are, are already like trusting me and my expertise. So, um, so my Instagram is neighborhood realtor, but it's spelled like my last name, which is not spelled like neighbor at all. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's spelled more like Nabber. It's N-A-B-O-R and then the word hood. So like neighborhood realtor. <laughs> um, okay. and that's, where that's the best place to connect with me. Um, and I always check, I always check my messages and try to stay on top of them. Maybe I'm probably just as good as my text messages. So yeah. Okay. Thanks for having me guys. See, yeah, it was yeah, fun. Thank and, you so much. Uh, yeah. Keep in touch with us and let us know if you need any help with anything and uh, good luck out Let's there. Let's do it. Let's do deals together soon. Let's do right, it. Let's do it. <laughs> okay. okay. Well, hey, have See a good day. Later. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Okay, See bye. Welcome back to the Wasatch Brothers Real Estate Podcast. Welcome back to the Wasatch Brothers Real Estate Podcast. We're glad you are listening. We have another amazing guest coming at you. Her name is Christy Neighbor. She has been in real estate since 2007, and she actually dropped out of college to get into real estate. So she says she's a college dropout, which I think is awesome because I dropped out of college a bunch, and I'm so glad that I'm in real estate. Um, she was able to support her husband through grad school and purchase her first home um, by herself. So they have two dogs currently, no kids. They're living the life, and we're excited to learn from her. So, Christy, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, and, uh, Yeah, thanks for coming on. Yeah, so, no problem. Christy, um, we kind of just want to jump into it. And um, if you can kind of tell us about what your start was, like how you got your start into real estate and what was the first year like and the ups and downs that we're all going through. Sure. Um, so I got in, in like 2007, 2008. So um, honestly, I got in because I was doing dental um, I thought I wanted to do like dental hygiene. That's what I focused on through high school and college. I thought that was the path for me. Um, but then I got bored because I was like, I'm just doing the same thing. And oddly, um, growing up, so many people had said to me, like, I think you would be a really good like real estate agent, which is so weird. That's not even on my radar. I don't know if they just <laughs> thought I would like be good in like a dress suit or something. I don't know, but it was just <laughs> always suit. in the back of my mind. So when I got bored, I'm like, okay, real estate's probably got to have like its challenges. So, um, 
I decided to work for a real estate broker and he only did REOs, which is real estate owned properties, bank owned properties that have been foreclosed. And there was a lot of that going on. Um, and I don't, a lot of people probably don't know that um, when brokers have contracts, the REO contracts, it's like a big deal. They don't want to lose that client. Um, there's a lot of rules you have to follow. So I basically just got thrown into it and learned a lot really fast, um, which made getting my license really easy because I had already experienced it firsthand. So I really was just I don't, like memorizing laws before I had to take the test. Cause I'm like, Oh, I, I already know this. I've seen this scenario happen. Um, like working for that broker, I learned how to do BPOs, which is like a CMA, but a, what a broker does. Um, yeah. and I, I mean, I was doing scary stuff. It's a good thing I was young and <laughs> stupid because when someone's like home is foreclosed on, you have to like go give notice so I'm knocking on people's doors and like emotions oh are high, you know, like they're stressed out. Like that was a stressful time for people because they were losing their homes. And I mean, I was just a young, like 19 year old. So I, I didn't get it. I just knew I was You're like, what's scary. the big deal here? We're just selling houses. <laughs> I'm like, do you want, cause we, so part of the process is you offer cash for keys. So it's like, if you don't destroy the home and you leave peacefully, will give you cash to start off in your next location. So, you know, I thought I was just doing a good thing, but there was definitely some sketchy situations and I'd probably be too scared to do it now, but I was young and dumb and I had no fear. It was, it was fine. So yeah. ignorance is bliss sometimes, isn't yeah, it? it? Yeah, it really is. There it were really some is. when I would call like friends that were guys. I'm like, I need you to go with me because this house is in like, the heart of Ogden and it's supposedly <laughs> vacant and I got to go in it and secure the property. I'm like, don't know what we're going to find in there. So that was like my first taste of real estate. And then I worked for a couple other um, agents. Like I had my license because everyone wants a licensed um, assistant so yeah. that you can, you can do things right. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. So I basically got like hands-on training. I was just a sponge. I just absorbed what those realtors did as far as like marketing, how they treated their clients, what systems they used, like just everything. I just absorbed it all. And then like my first, I don't know, like eight to 10 transactions, I basically had my hand held because I was like a transaction coordinator, but they also let me sell. And so I just, I had my hand held and I feel like a lot of people ask me like, how did you pass the real estate test or how did you get clientele? And I, like, I just, it just happened organically because I got my feet wet and just slowly went in. I didn't get into real estate thinking the market's hot. I'm going to get rich quick. It just was a career that I thought would be challenging and fun. And I just worked my way up, I guess. Um, and honestly, I feel like every realtor should have to shadow somebody. Like if a hairstylist has to do like 200 hours on the floor cutting hair, like why don't realtors have to shadow a broker and have their hand mm -hmm. held through deals? Cause we are dealing with like 
big deals and things like if something got messed up, like we could cause big problems, lawsuits, all sorts of things, not just a bad haircut, you know? So (laughs) I'm thankful that I got like hands-on training and I just, I got to see what worked and didn't work and basically just build my own business that way. So that's really that's cool. Really that's probably that's invaluable. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, I think it's it's pretty awesome that you got to be the transaction coordinator first, because my first deal in this market, uh, it's crazy. And in order to get the deal, we had to close within a week. And so I thought, oh, well, I'm going to do this transaction myself so that I learn it. It's my first one. And I got so overwhelmed that I was like, I'm just paying the money for a transaction coordinator because <laughs> <laughs> this is way too stressful to get done in a week. So I think it's awesome that you did that. Um, how long did you work for him? And you said everything started organically. So do did people already know that you were in real estate because you worked for him? Or once you started real estate, did you start kind of marketing? Because social media... I'm guessing wasn't as big of a thing back then. So how do you start that organically without social media? Yeah. So when I worked for him, I actually only worked for him for like six months to a year because, um, I actually never met him. It was like, he, he lived in, uh, California and had his broker's license also in Utah. So we were like running things for him here. And it was like Charlie's Angels. We'd check in on the phone with like every day. We'd have this like have him on speakerphone. He had like the Australian accent and I literally never met him. But Still I Still to this day, you haven't met him? No, I don't even, That's yeah, crazy. I don't even know if he's like living anymore. I have no idea. Um, <laughs> but he, I actually left there because I told him like, yeah, I want to get, um, my license and I want to like sell. And he told me that I was too young and nobody would take me seriously. I was like, Oh buddy, you just lit a fire. Wrong words to say. You're like, I'm going to prove you wrong. Mm -hmm. I'm like, Oh really? That's interesting. So Uh I left, I left there and then, um, went to (laughs) another agent worked for him for a minute and then joined, um, another brokerage that I was at for like five years. Um, and from there is, is really where I learned a lot. And I guess it just all worked out because when I started there, I was single, then I got married. And so it was kind of like our circle of influence was on the same page of life as us. So they, you know, were looking for homes and so they just let me help them, which is really crazy and super nice that they'd let I guess when you're young and you know you just don't know what like oh I'm trusting this newbie to sell me a home and you just don't know any different I guess but I'm thankful power friends yeah. trusted me because now it's like when people are saying how to build a clientele I feel like I don't have super good advice I'm like well all of my clients purchased when the market was you know, in the ground or we were getting paid to buy a house, you know? And so I'm like, and now they're selling and upgrading. Um, so I feel like it's a lot with your circle of influence and I have never like hardcore marketed myself. It's purely like word of mouth. I've probably only had my social media for, or my 
at least my real estate social media, I've probably only had it for like two or three years. Um, so yeah, I would, cause I was just filtering it in with my personal and then I decided to split them and, and just do its own. So what's yeah. the benefit to doing that? Because I know like on my social media, sometimes it'll say, do you want to switch yours to a business account? And I always just keep it personal because I have more followers and people right now with my personal account. So at what point did you decide to split the two and your social media looks really good. Like everything almost not matches, but it has kind of a theme to it. I would say, did you ever study social media on your own or take classes or you just kind of learned it from using it? Um, so I feel like one of my favorite parts about real estate is the marketing aspect. I love getting the client. I love nurturing the relationship, probably even more so than, you know, the nitty gritty, like negotiations and looking at all the homes and stuff, like creating the relationships and nurturing those is probably my favorite part about it. Um, and I just split it off because I thought, okay, people are not following my personal one to hear like my business. And I wanted to use my platform to educate the public. I, I didn't want it to be this like hire me because I'm so much better than everyone else. Like, here's what I do. That's better than everybody else. Um, Because I, I honestly feel like it's a team effort. Even when I close on a home, I, if I had a good experience with the other realtor, like I will say that. Because if two realtors worked cohesively, it makes it better for everybody. And so I just, I wanted to use it to just educate the public so that whether they use me or they use another um, agent or they even are trying to do it on on their own, that they have some sort of knowledge. Like they, I want them to know what to expect from their realtor because I get that a lot of people have a sour taste in their mouth for realtors. And I think it's just because they really didn't know what to expect or they didn't fully understand, you know, how things work. Um, Like, I mean, you guys know realtors, we get blamed for everything that goes wrong. And sometimes it's like out of our control as much as we try to control it. Um, So, yeah, I just, I wanted to just use my platform to just educate so that people knew, you know, what to watch out for, you know, if you're going to do it on your own, don't make these mistakes or have these expectations of your realtor. Um, so yeah, that's kind of why I split it just so I could keep my personal stuff fluffy and keep, and use my other platform just to like educate. And yeah, I mean, friends, just the ones who wanted to know or learn came over and followed me and then the ones that didn't just still follow my personal ones so I guess I just wasn't worried about um how many followers I felt like my following already knows I'm in real estate so it's like yeah you know I'm not too worried about that that makes sense yeah okay um so okay so you've been doing it for 13 years or so, something like that. Um, what is, so 2021, we're kind of in, we're almost at the end of, well, we are at the end of the first quarter, but um, like, what's kind of your goals for 2021? It's everyone knows that the 
market is like it's never been before and all this stuff. So how are you kind of tackling it? And what's your, what's your goals for this year? Survival. (laughs) 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 But for real real stuff. Sometimes Um, it feels like that, doesn't it? It really does. It's, it's, I feel old because I remember older agents saying like, oh, I remember when interest rates were 15% or, you know, just talking about the different trends in the market. And now I feel like I've been in it so long that I'm that person. I'm like, oh, like I remember, I remember when, when it was this way. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I got to quit saying stuff like that. Oh my gosh. Uh, Dating yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I just feel like, I don't feel like I set um, monetary goals. I'm like, oh, I want to sell this many homes or I want to make this much money. I more so want to find like avenues to make um, home ownership attainable because buyers, they ha- I'm not going to lie, they have it rough right now when I'm just like, yeah, so not only do you need to like have a ton of cash down, more than I would have ever had as a first time home buyer. Um, so just, I feel like I want to just start educating buyers on like ways to like save money so that you can compete, um, in this market and just what people can do to just be able to get into a home because it is so cutthroat. And I, I have heard from a lot of buyers, they just feel discouraged and I get it. It, you get burned out for sure. Um, or they just feel like they don't even have the resources to compete. Um, so yeah, I just really, I want to come up with a way to just educate buyers on what they can do and what options they have to be able to buy and not feel like they're priced out. So yeah. that's really my goal this year. So what do you, cause there's a lot of people coming from out of state in California and people with loads of cash. And I always think about my kids like, man, I wonder what it's going to be like when they buy a home. Because when me and my wife bought our first home, I I have the same feeling like I don't know if if we would have waited, if we would have been able to buy a home still. So what what do you predict is going to happen? Because at some point it, it has to cool off. Um, but who knows when that's going to be because it's going to be so hot right now that it's going to last for years. Um, but, but like, what do you see um, with people in state and how do you overcome competing, like to, to keep somebody going that is like, I'm, I'm done. Like we'll, we'll just rent, we'll just stay here. We, we don't want to move our kids right now. What do you suggest to those type of people? Yeah. Um, I mean, if you look at my social media, you can see a lot, like more than half of my clients have been building. Um, if you can find a builder who's not, you know, two years out, (laughs) jump on it because, um, it's just such an awesome opportunity. Um, for the most part, you don't have to compete. I know some builders are going a different direction with things where it's not first come first serve. Um, but even though they're waiting, like you're making equity while you're waiting, um, I wish I had a magic eight ball to be able to be like, this is what's going to happen. We all know eventually it is going to cool off because that's how it works. It mean, it's a roller coaster. We go down and we go up. And I feel like two years ago when people were buying homes, the main concern everyone kept saying is like, 
the market's going to crash, the market's going to crash. And I'm like, I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I can't promise you that it's not, but even if it does, just make sure that you haven't gotten yourself into a situation where you're house poor so that you can stay in it because the people who stayed in their homes through the market crash, I mean, they have so much equity. It's insane. <clears throat> they're jealous. Yeah. So it's just a matter of like being smart with, I, I get that it's like, you want to get the most amount for, for your money. And a lot of buyers like want to max out their pre-qualification, but it's like, just be smart with your payment and, um, and don't get house poor so that if something happens, as long as you can afford that payment, like it's going to be a good investment. And I yeah. feel like probably interest rates are what's going to cool things down. I'm going to guess like it's going to get to a point where interest rates are going to be higher and buyers are going to cool off. And I guess that's going to make sellers have to be a little more aggressive to be able to get buyers who can afford their homes. But it will be interesting. (laughs) What do you guys think is going to happen? (laughs) They won't be posting it on a Friday and then say all offers do by Sunday. (laughs) Oh yeah. I just saw one of my clients, like how many offers? I'm like, doesn't matter. They're collecting offers for a week. So I'll uh, let you know yeah. on D-Day how many they have. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I'm, I'm interested in like the, cause you were in real estate during the crash and probably experienced a, a polar opposite of what's happening right now. So like, what was the big complaint back then? And what was the struggle because my grandpa was in commercial real estate and he just says, you know, the market's always going to go up and down. There's always going to be some problem and you just have to figure it out. So what, what was it back then? And why do you feel like, I mean, you've been in it for 17 years. Most agents don't make it past their first year or two years. So you, you've obviously have a skill of figuring it out. Um, what do you, what was it like in 2008? What did you struggle with? And, and, maybe what do you attribute to you being able to figure it out? So I think by the time that I was like actually um, selling real estate, I had observed that the people who were affected the most by the market crash was people who got in over their heads. They, they got in homes that they couldn't afford um, things like that. And then the people that capitalized were the ones that had been smart. Um, and they were smart with their money. So then they were able to buy the homes um, at a lower price. I think the ones probably that got got it the worst were the ones that like had to move, whether it was like they outgrew their home or something. Yeah. Um, and then they couldn't afford to like move into something else. That was probably the hardest. So I feel like I just take all of those like factors in when I'm helping my clients. And I'm like, you have to look at the bigger picture and like prepare for anything. So make sure you're not buying a home that like isn't going to work for you, um, you know, long, longer than three years or five years. Um, and if, if it is going to be shorter, make sure it's one you can afford to like keep other rental property. Or I just try to think through all the scenarios of like, if the market crashed, what, what, what position would you be put in? Um, would you be able to afford your home or rent it or do what you need to do to be able to stay in your investment and not, 
um, be lost. So that's really smart. I think that's really good advice. Um, and I mean, I could be wrong, but I would imagine that it helps with you to having like repeat business and a really loyal clientele because they just know that you're not in it just to make a quick buck. You're not just trying to sell a house and be done and earn a commission. You're trying to make it like, yeah, you're working for a living. Of course you want to make money. Of course you want to get a commission, but like you're trying to do it in a way where it makes really good sense for your, for your buyers. And um, that sort of thing just really resonates with me because that's kind of my approach, you know, for example, the market that we're in right now, I work a lot in Salt Lake County. I don't know. Are you more North? Yeah, I feel like, I mean, I've sold from Cache County, the Utah County, but I feel like Davis County, Weber County is my jam. Okay. And you know what? It's going on up there too, but I just know that Salt Lake County is kind of when I first started seeing this whole earnest money, non-refundable at acceptance. And, you know, it's, that makes me really uncomfortable. And then, I mean, I just lost on a house where they did $20,000 hard at acceptance. That's what we lost on. Um, and, but my point is, is although I can't even imagine what would be worth canceling for (laughs) $20,000. I know. Right. So obviously they won, but, um, my point of saying that is at first I was like, I mean, I'm still not comfortable with it, but I think that it's my duty as, as an agent to let my buyers know what works best and then what they're comfortable with. And if we're competing against offers that have non-refundable earnest money, I, I'll just be straight up with them and let them know, hey, here's what people are doing. If we're not willing to do this, our chances are going to go down. But I'm genuine, 100%. I'm okay whatever decision they make. If they want to compete and like bring out the guns and, and do everything, then let's do it. Like <laughs> I'll do that for you. But if you don't, like I have a hard time saying like pushing them past to, you know, doing something they're not comfortable with because I want that same thing. I just, I just got a text right now. I'm going to list somebody's uh, condo that I helped them buy, but they had a good experience with me. And that's how I want to build my business. Not like, oh yeah, like Darren, he just like, just wanted to earn a quick buck. And then I'd rather have five deals from somebody over the course of their life than just that one time. You know what I mean? Totally agree. I feel like I never want my clients, like after they close on their home to be like, oh, I don't really love this house or this location that much. Like she just pushed me into it. And sometimes buyers will take a while. I mean, obviously right now that's common, but my whole career, um, sometimes buyers will take a while. My husband will be like, you just need to like, just sell them on the house. I'm like, I cannot. I'm like, if they don't walk in and feel in love, like I am not pushing it because like my clients aren't just a paycheck. Like realtors should be helping the situation, not making it worse. And no matter what side I'm on, whether I'm representing the the listing or the buyer, Whenever there is like a conflict, I always think, okay, if these two parties are working together without a realtor, which they could be doing, and like, how would they resolve this? Because I sometimes I feel like realtors complicate the situation. I'm like, you yeah. don't need to be aggressive and fight about everything. Like, just represent your client and, and educate them and do what's in their best interest. And it will just make everything so much better. Don't 
don't cause your client a lawsuit or just try to think is it, if you weren't in the equation, what would these two parties be doing without you? So I hundred percent get that. Like I, I'm just not a shark. If I need to, if my clients, if someone's trying to take advantage of my client, then, then I will be, <laughs> but I don't start out that way. <laughs> Try yeah. to kill it with kindness and work it all out. <laughs> it's yeah. good. I, I've really never good. really heard it like to, to think of it, the perspective of if it take myself out of the equation, because I think so many times people are prone to thinking about themselves and uh, how to close the deal and what should I say? But I think that's great advice of removing yourself. What would these two parties do? Uh, I think that'll stick with me the most because honestly, from all the guests we've heard and people I've talked to, I, I've never heard that from a realtor. And maybe that's why you're doing so well. <laughs> but um, I had another question and it just blinked. Um, oh, I can't remember now. Darren, do you have one? And I'll remember. I always do this and it's kind of embarrassing, but oh, I have I the worst going. memory. <laughs> if I don't write it <laughs> yeah. all down, I'm just, I'm in trouble. <laughs> What's a good, so, I mean, you've done it way longer than me. I'm like coming up on my year mark. So, oh, but you learn so much, like, like I was the same as Jordan. My first deal, I remember when my offer got accepted, it was on a Saturday night. And I just started panicking. I was like, what do I do? Like, where do I go from here? Yeah. Now that doesn't worry me. You know, you, you just learn as you go. You learn so much. So is there any like really valuable lessons that you learned from a transaction that like stuck out to you that you can either buying or selling um, like a situation you ran into that could maybe be useful for uh, our listeners? Um. Okay, so I feel like this is not one where like, like I was panicked or anything, but I feel no, like okay. it's, <laughs> it was, it's more just like, I feel like people maybe are not aware. I don't know. So anyways, my client, my buyer um, wanted to, they found a for sale by owner on KSL. I had to brace myself because like, as you know, it's just a lot more work for the realtor is involved because they have to facilitate all the paperwork and they're trying to calm the for sale by owner that we're not trying to take advantage of them. And it's a lot, it's a lot. So, um, we went under contract and my title company pulled title, all that. And they're like, um, problem. There's, there's still somebody who has ownership on this title besides the for sale by owners. I was like, oh, okay, well, lucky them that they have a realtor in here. And Pinnacle Title went above and beyond. Um, they tracked down the lady. They, like, uh, they, they just, I don't even want to know how much money they spent trying to get her signature on a quick claim deed. And then we ended up um, canceling more so because the lender was kind of screwing up the deal but um but basically those first sale by owners really lucked out that they had professionals involved because by the time we had canceled we had like um resolved the title issues and so they were able to sell to someone else where if 
they had just if they had just gone with an unrepresented buyer that would have been a hot mess and I don't think like what they wouldn't know what to do and I I don't know if a lot of title companies would have done what Pinnacle did um, because the title company that recorded the the deed from when the for sale by owner purchased um, Pinnacle tried to reach out to them and say look you did this wrong you made a mistake and they would not take like any accountability wouldn't help anything so normally you would like you know use title insurance to fix that but Pinnacle is just like it's gonna take too long we're just gonna get it done figure it out um so very thankful for that um and I'm glad the first sale by owner you know it worked out for them in the end yeah they got away with a good deal with that they did like (laughs) I felt bad that we had to cancel but I mean we had had to extend a million times because of the lender and it was just like I I felt bad you guys need to be able to just sell this home so um (laughs) but yeah I feel like title issues is a big one that buyers or just homeowners do not realize or even know or educated about I feel like I was telling Jordan I think I think that's oh go ahead go ahead I was was, gonna say say, I think that's great because (laughs) we've got a delay a little bit (laughs) I'll go and then you go I was gonna say I think that's great because I meet with a lot of for sale by owners right now. And it's like, okay, look, if, if we can get in here and take professional photography and we can sell for this much more and I'll do all the listings. So, you know, you hear the same thing, but that's another story that I feel like if I could just take that part of the podcast and play it for my for sale by owners to really like just bang it into their head. Like, look, there's so many situations that you guys don't understand and most of the time for sell by owners are just thinking, well, I don't want to pay realtor fees, but I get it. those realtor fees are so minimal when, like you said, your, your example, you run into something like that and, and we can take care of it or the title company can take care of it. So um, yeah. I'm going to have to myself go back and re-listen to that story over and over so that I can get good at telling it <laughs> so that for sell by owners will understand, look, someone else could it's worth own part of your own <laughs> yeah I mean that's happened on a couple like like investment properties it's kind of common on and I truly think really the only reason that that title got cleared is because I have a relationship with pinnacle title like I mean first all my owners have to you know find a title company and I don't know if any title company would you know, put that time and effort into that because they don't have a relationship with them. Um, and so, yeah, it just, there's so much value built into using a realtor that I think people, it's hard to see because all they see is the dollar amount. But I just had somebody say to me the other day, um, they were talking about finishing their basement and how much a general contact contractor charges. And they charge... Um, I don't know. It was anywhere from like five to 10% of the job. And then like, and he was saying like their margins are so small. And I started laughing. I'm like, well, that's interesting. I'm like, cause realtors charge way less than that. But yeah, everyone thinks that we're just out robbing everyone. I'm like, but they don't 
see the bigger picture or I just don't think they realize all the value or like the work that we put into like all of our knowledge and all the like education we have, the liability we take on. There's just so much value in it and they, they do end up making more money. So yeah. Yeah. I read a, a stat that said um, people are for sell by owners. I can't remember if it, they decide to go to with a real estate agent. I don't know how they found the stat, but it said usually they can sell their home for 16% more than what they would have sold it on their own, which if you add in realtor fees, it's 6% and you got, I mean, most people are getting 10% more. And if, if you're depending on the price of your home, I mean, that's a big chunk of change. I also find that people who are doing it on their own, um, they let emotion get into it too much. Like I have never done the, like I'm giving the letters to the sellers. Like, I know it's a thing we don't do anymore, but it was big for a while. Um, because I'm like, no, that just, that just makes it harder for my sellers. And they're looking, they're deciding on emotion, which is what they would do if I wasn't in the situation. Cause there's so much, like, um, there's so many times where I see people who are selling homes that are in a state, they're selling their parents' home, they're selling whatever. Yeah. And they will, they'll do it on their own and they'll say, Oh, but this girl that I work with or the girl who does my hair or somebody wants to buy it. And I'm like, that's great. But listen, you're representing the beneficiaries and that's not in everyone's best interest. Like you need to list it and let that person compete for it. Just like everyone else. Like they just, I think go off emotion so much and realtors help facilitate that and help protect the client because we don't have any emotion in it and we get to be the buffer in between the two, um, which I think is just priceless. <laughs> that's interesting. I think that's great. That because <clears throat> when we, we sold our first home and we had remodeled the kitchen and one of our things was, okay, we want a family to come in here. You know, we don't want to sell this to an investor and rent it out or blah, blah, blah. And we did end up picking someone that wrote a letter. So it's still a thing. People write letters. So how do you handle that as an agent? Do you just not show the letter at all? Or do you feel that it's, it's your responsibility if an agent submits an offer with a letter that you show all the letters? Because I look back at ours and I think, okay, we, I, I think we probably didn't seriously look at a couple of offers just because the letter and we felt like, okay, we want a family in our home. Yeah. I have even had people go as far as like, they reach out to my husband and they're like, oh, my brother or sister put in an offer on your wife's listing. And I'm like, oh my gosh, wow. like, tell them, thank you but that's not, we're not giving them any advantage. Uh, but, um, now I do not give the letters, like I'll read them, but I don't tell my clients because one, I think you run into the issue of discrimination and I don't want to subject my, um, sellers to that. I don't want them to ever be in a situation where someone accuses them of that. So I do not present them anymore. Um, but Back when I did, if somebody presented one, I would contact all the other agents and say, by the way, um, you need to send a letter of 
um, from your clients so that everyone is has a fair Love chance. Yeah. I'm just like, okay, if we're going to add the emotion factor, then I want everyone to have like a fair chance at it. Cause I just don't ever want to be accused of, of not playing fair, I guess. So, but now I did, now I just don't even mess with it. Cause I don't want to, I don't want to open my clients up to a lawsuit, but yeah. Yeah. The board of realtors, I think they posted something maybe like a month ago. Maybe yeah, it was a month did. ago about that, about saying that they're not the best idea anymore and just the whole discrimination thing. So, I mean, it's been addressed. Clearly, there's been issues. Yeah. Just stalk them on Facebook and, and private message them and say, hey, what do you need under the table? <laughs> I, my last listing, I had an agent who, like, gave my number to the buyers and they were calling me to, like, plead their case. I'm like, no, I cannot cannot do that that is crazy that's crazy I'm like we're getting cutthroat here (laughs) yeah no it is it is getting cutthroat and people are trying I mean look I give them credit on the creativity part I've definitely learned from some stuff that others have done people are getting super creative and there's definitely good ideas that are happening you know for sure yeah I saw I saw one guy on social media offer if you list your home with me I'll buy you a Traeger like, hmm, I saw that enticing. and I know exactly who that is. But <laughs> sw- like, is that against the rules though? Uh, I don't know. Because <laughs> I, I, I had posted like, um, I will pay like if if you produce a lead for my buyer, like, oh, I know my sister selling her house, and you produce that lead for me, like, I will pay you five hundred dollars. Like, just help me find my client at home. And my broker's like, we like, you can't do that. I'm can't like, that. Oh, yeah. killing me. So I thought there's so many rules. So I thought that was like, ooh, that's a yeah, good idea. They're, they're yeah, definitely but... over $500. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, uh, and I don't even remember what the like limit is. My broker told me, but he was like, yeah, you can't, you can't do that. I'm like, well, I feel like it's the same as paying for leads on Zillow. <laughs> right right <laughs> so many that's rules. actually true right okay so well yeah i want to be I, get this wrapped up door yeah i want to be respectful of your time i feel like you have way more information to share with us that we haven't hit on um so usually i tell our guests you know we like to have you back on anytime if something crazy happened or is a, a story that you want to share or just anything um, we're always looking to build our network. Um, when me and Darren started this podcast, there were three real reasons we wanted to start it and try and hit on every episode. Um, one is to educate, which I feel like you did beautifully with um, many different scenarios. Um, but there's stuff that you said today <clears throat> that I haven't heard from other real estate agents specifically the one we just talked about with letters. So I definitely think you educated us. Um, the, the second thing would be to inspire somebody, whether they're looking to buy a house or looking to become a real estate agent or invest, whatever they may be doing listening to this. I think your story's incredible how you started at a young age and you kind of didn't know what you're doing, but you just went after it. Uh, I find it really inspiring and that you went through the market crash. You figured it out. You're still doing it. You supported your husband. I 
I know before we started, you said it, it doesn't seem like an accomplishment to you, but for many people, I think it will. Um, your story alone is inspiring to us as real estate agents. And then the last one, uh, which I think is probably the most valuable for, for all parties is to connect people. Uh, you know, in real estate, it's so important, like you said, to build relationships like you did with Pinnacle Title and have those connections and really foster a relationship uh, because that's that's what it comes down to. It's the more people that know that you have a good reputation and um, they can trust you, you're going to be successful. So, um, and and with COVID, it's hard to to meet face to face. So it's always nice to just have an hour blocked out of somebody's schedule where you can really connect and get to know their story. So we appreciate you. Uh, your your story is awesome, and hopefully we help you in some way and get a due deal with you in the future because you are a very stemmed out woman. And I can tell by talking to you that you're just fair and honest and want the best for people. So, um, yeah, we appreciate you, Darren, you have anything else? No, thanks for coming on. And before I don't want to miss out, do you want to let people know where if they want to reach yes. out to you and get in touch with you? What's their best, the best way to communicate with you? Yeah, so um, the best avenue would honestly just be my Instagram. Um, I do not really like market myself. I just go off of um, word of mouth because I feel like that is the best kind of marketing. I know when someone contacts me that they um, are are already like trusting me and my expertise. So um so my Instagram is neighborhood realtor, but it's spelled like my last name, which is not spelled like neighbor at all. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's spelled more like Nabor. It's N-A-B-O-R and then the word hood. So like neighborhood realtor. <laughs> um, okay. And that's where that's the best place to connect with me. Um, and I always check. I always check my messages and try to stay on top of them. Maybe. I'm probably just as good as my text messages. So yeah. Okay. Thanks for having me guys. See. Yeah. It was yeah, fun. Thank and, you so much. Uh, yeah. Keep in touch with us and let us know if you need any help with anything and uh, good luck out Let's there. Let's do it. Let's do deals together soon. Let's do All it. Right, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. Well, hey, have See a good day. Later. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Okay. Bye. Yeah.